Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Uh, we're so glad that you're joining us here with us this afternoon, this morning, this evening, whenever it is that you're watching or listening to it's this. not this morning. Thanks for being here, or a morning. Oh, yeah, it could be your this morning. It, it could be your this yeah, morning. Sorry. So we are glad that you're here. What we Overtime is is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. So we are on week two of Happy Strife, Happy Life, so we're going to dive into that in just a second. But what we always try and do is to give you a couple quick announcements before we get into that. Uh, the first is that we want to let you know that that this Sunday, which if you are listening to this when we're not recording it, this Sunday, January 24th, I want to make sure I got the date right, January 24th, our Kid Zone is opening its two-year-old and three-year-old classrooms. So with COVID, some of the restrictions, we shut down for a little bit. But this week, January 24th, we're reopening the second or two-year-old and three-year-old classrooms. There is kind of a, a sign for you to a, a sign in for you to kind of check into that. So it's limited spots. So you can find that information on the the Kid Zone page, and you can get kind of registered and signed up for that. So we're excited for that. And then the other quick thing that we'll just mention is to let you know that the big yellow mug is once again open so if you were looking for a place to possibly have a meeting to have um, you know a little bit break from your house to just kind of get outside of the house for a little bit big yellow mug is open kind of social distance rules apply so we ask that you would wear a mask as you come in you order your drink but once you get to your table you can remove that mask and then you can have your meetings you can have a great drink you can have some food great place for you to be able to come in and be a part of what's happening here with that big yellow mug. So that's kind of all the announcements. Maybe I'll throw in one other one and just say is if you were looking to help with our online services, we are looking for hosts. You can email me at ben, ben at clcfamily.church if you're interested in doing that. So that's all the announcements. Yeah. Do you want to give us a recap of what we talked about this week in week two? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so, Happy Strife, Happy Life. Here's kind of the big idea of the whole series is in order to get where you really want to go, you have to leave where you want to stay. And one of the benefits of strife is it means you don't really want to stay where you currently are. And so, um, what, what, what I hope is happening and will happen over the next several weeks is that it gets us a new framework for how we view struggle and sorrow and pain and mm uncertainty in the way that I hope you view it is I hope you view pain and sorrow and strife actually not as this current state that you're going to live in, but actually a doorway to be able to walk through into blessings. So Jesus tells us that there is blessings to be found in the middle of sorrow and pain. And the reason being is because when you've exhausted your other options or came to the conclusion that none of the things that you've been pursuing are going to satisfy you and they don't suit you and they can't save you, then finally, 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 you decide that maybe it's time for you to consider living in a different kingdom right now, which is what Jesus refers to as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven 90 plus times in the gospels we see that statement. So we go, what does it look like to live in the kingdom of heaven? So last week we kind of set up the, the thought of what it what would it look like to leave here, go there, and then go, well, right. where is their big idea this week was, uh, uh, let me make sure I get it right here, uh, the kingdom of heaven is there, and it's not a place to arrive at, but a person to belong to. And so what we get to see is that there is actually a new kingdom we can live in with a new king who happens to be the one who says he'll be our heavenly father and we get to enjoy all the blessings of that but the crazy part is is the blessings come from the the most unlikely places in fact uh, jesus in this teaching is going to tell us the way that you really 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 experience the kingdom of heaven is by loving your enemies uh, caring for those who persecute you doing good for those who punish you and it seems so backwards <laughs> from the way we live. And so I just would offer this and work through it this week. And this is the purpose of this past sermon was, what if it's true? What if it's true? What if actually loving those who are really pretty evil to you, who want to do you harm, loving those who really are mean-spirited, like caring for and praying for and offering blessings to, doing good for those people, what if that actually is the way by which we experience real life. And that's hard to believe. It's hard for me to believe, but I would just point this out. Well, look at the alternative. Yeah. The alternative is our nation. The alternative is the battles in our families and in our workplaces where we are doing this battle. You see it with your own kids. One does one wrong and you're going, since you're doing that, I'm going to do this wrong and that wrong and that wrong. You 
playing this horrific game of toxic yeah. ping pong where you're just hitting the ball back harder and harder at each other, and it makes you, makes them, makes everyone miserable. So it kind of seems to be that now's a good time to consider this. That's why I like what Dave Ramsey says. People want to change when the pain of the same is greater than the pain of the change. And so for many of us, we're experiencing that pain. Maybe it's time to change, but some of us, we aren't experiencing that pain, which probably leads you, leads you to this, huh? What do I do about that? What if everything's all nice and good? And hopefully we'll be able to dig into that as well this yeah. morning or this afternoon or whenever it is you're listening to it. <laughs> you just did what I did. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I feel like there's a ton to kind of get to in talking about yeah. loving your enemies because mm. I think you had mentioned this on Sunday, but, like, I feel like the, if there's one area where I feel like I do terrible at, it's this one. Yeah. And I think that you, you came to some really good kind of conclusions towards the end of that message. But maybe before we get to that, one of the things that you said in both weeks is that you're convinced that there has never been a better time to be alive. But for now, like, yeah. right, like never time to be a better life in the midst of yeah. the chaos. Like, and I feel like that statement can be confusing because even so today and tomorrow, this is the inauguration and planning and preparing yeah. for that has looked and, and been insane. In fact, I've even had some meetings that have been scheduled that they're like, hey, we're not going to do in person because of the inauguration. And I'm going, but they're not going to come to western side of PA, but whatever, um, or eastern side of PA. So it's just a very complicated word world we live in like how do you arrive at yeah, those so statements? I, I think you say it well it's both um experientially and yeah. you know like in terms so you got two different pieces you got what we experience and then you have the awareness that comes with where we are right and yeah. so both those are really really valuable and so I, i'll get to it the courage and the clarity the clarity piece is really important but just practically it's like yeah. you're listening to this right now like in your pajamas or maybe you're driving down a road and you're listening to a podcast and yeah. you're listening to this hopefully not at one and a half speed but you're listening to it and it's like do you see how crazy that is like you are going to have phone calls and facetime calls and zoom calls and you're going to see people's face and their facial expressions and then you're going to walk and you're going to get some lunch and you're probably going to take some food that you cooked yesterday you're going to get a burrito wrapped in a piece of plastic and you're going to open it up and throw it in a microwave and abracadabra and a minute later you've got a nice fresh really healthy bean burrito for you right like this is <laughs> that part it's just, there's just never been time to be alive yeah. literally like we the, the poorest people in our nation have access to better things than the richest people did 500 years ago so it's just from just practically it's like there's just a lot of good that's yeah. available to us now like the fact that many of you listen to this, this is so crazy like you empty your human waste into clean water most of you, like today, you will use the bathroom yeah. in clean water. Now, that's not the case for everybody all over the globe. There are people that think we are nuts, rightfully so, to waste that clean water by putting our dirtiness into that clean water. And for thousands of years, that was hard to come by. And so we just turn a falseness there. And so from a practical sense, this woe is us, life is so bad, man, it's so terrible. It's like, ah, no, practically we yeah. have lots and lots of conveniences and yet there's a lot of pain. And the reason there's a lot of pain is because we understand all those conveniences don't make it any better. So the problem yeah. is, is for thousands of years, people kept thinking, when I get that, finally, it'll be better. When I get there, it'll finally be better. When I get that thing, that thing, get married, get divorced, whatever it's finally on the other side of that. And what we know, you're smart enough to know this, Every time we get around that corner to that thing, it's not the thing we thought it was, yeah, right. right? And so when I say what a time to be alive, we have all the conveniences of the modern world. Yeah. And yet we certainly can get all the awareness that the conveniences of the modern world do not save you or satisfy you right, or right. suit you. So we get the best of both worlds, all the modern conveniences and hopefully some conclusions that all this stuff doesn't make things better. The ability to have your own platform and say whatever you want whenever you want to say it hasn't really helped things. It's actually just made things worse. And so perhaps, perhaps, perhaps there's a better world to live in. And there is that world, which is just where we have to go, well, then why don't we live it? Why don't we live it? And there's lots of reasons, but the bottom of all of it is just fear. What if it's Mm -hmm. not true? What if I get made fun of? What if it doesn't work out? So we just live with this current situation that we know and is familiar to us, but isn't satisfying us, Mm -hmm. right? And so uh, the base of that is fear. And the only way out of the fear is going to be two things, clarity and courage. And Jesus is going to go, this is what it looks like. Here's what it looks like to live in the kingdom. Here's the clarity you need. And then hopefully we can have the courage to actually try this. And so hopefully this week, this will be pretty practical. Could you actually bless those who curse you? Mm -hmm. Could you 
pray for those who abuse you because it sounds so broken. I just go, but what if it's true? What if it's true? How do you know if it's true? Well, the only way to check and see if it's true is actually to try it out. So many ways that I hope this week does is encourage you to actually try this out. One of the things that you had said early on in the message, I think, at least on my my notes, it was um, one of the things you said, you know, how we want certainty, right? So how do we, what do we do when we're looking for it? How do we have certainty? And you said that we need to cling to truth. And I thought that that was a great statement. And specifically, one of the things that you said, I think this was a little bit later on, is that going for believers, what we have to understand is that our current scenario is the worst that it will ever be. But also there's kind of the flip side. If you don't believe in Christ, like then this is the best it's ever going to be. So there's there's a truth in that or a uh, like clarity and courage. Like there's there's something in that. That as believers, there's something encouraging there. I, I don't know if there's anything more that you wanted to talk to about that. I do want to get into the text, but yeah. So I don't. I, I you know, that was in my notes last week and this week, and I struggled sharing that because it sounds a little bit flippant. Like my hell is your heaven, yeah, and right. your heaven's my hell, and it's like, right. well, it's more nuanced than that. But it is kind of the reality. Like when we go, we're actually we're built for a different world. Like the way that I'd usually describe it is it's like if like uh, my family and I are going away to celebrate some birthdays to the Poconos and we'll go stay in a hotel over the next couple of days. But I'll walk in the hotel and go, I don't really like that couch. I don't really like that painting. And then I go and I buy a new painting and a new couch to renovate this this hotel room so I can enjoy it for two more days. You would go, that is absolute foolishness, right? Complete foolishness because in two days you won't live there anymore. Why would you invest all your time or energy into that thing? And yet that's the way that uh, as believers, as people who live in the kingdom of heaven, while on earth, we kind of have our feet in both ways. We go, well, we can't invest all of our time and energy into just a new painting and a new couch for the hotel room we're in because there is this hope that's out there that's somewhere in the distance. So where that gets really dangerous for us, particularly for us preachers, is we want to sell you the bill of goods on out there, right? So when I tell you, you know, this is your hell, that's their heaven, then what I'm doing is I'm helping you cling to this promise of something in the future. But when I read through the scriptures, this isn't you just endure all this now and one day you'll get the reward. There, There is a better reward. There is a better place. But From what I gather in these scriptures, it's so much more specific that you can receive that reward now. You can enjoy that now. Like you can live and be blessed and find joy now, but it's not going to come from the place that you think it is. It's going to come almost from the exact, you know, reciprocal of what you think it is. It's actually going to respond in a way that's caring, loving, and gracious to those who you have determined don't deserve the care or the love or the grace. But if we could have enough awareness, we'd understand that we don't deserve it either. And so what Jesus offers us, he wants us to offer to other people. And this is what I like to introduce in this term as often as I can, that term selflessness, right? The reality is being selfish or is actually or being selfless is actually fairly selfish and that you can serve other people and get some good gains out of it. The best way to actually enjoy all of life is actually to care and serve other people. So not that it's all about what you get out of something, but the reality is there is a lot of joy and hope to be found today. But where you find that it isn't actually caring for the least of these and caring for the people you don't really want to care for. And again, I just ask the same question. What if this is true? And what do you have to lose? Yeah, I, I think what I wanted to do uh, is I want to work through these scriptures. Yeah. And, but there's also a couple questions that I had. One, a couple from our listeners um, okay. that I wanted to get into that I think might bring up the verses yeah. as we go through it. Because the overall is to love your enemy, right? Yeah. I think like uh, how you closed it out yeah, and I'll even, the pattern. And there's some real specifics yeah. to how we actually do that. Yep. Yeah, so I feel like in that, if I'm just kind of taking the, the overall picture of going love your enemy... There's some questions that kind of come in that and even the idea of happy strife, happy life. So I want to start with one of them from our listeners. And then I had a couple from conversations that I've had this week. It says, hi, I understand that spiritual growth does not stop as long as that we're alive and that the pain I feel has to be greater than the pain of moving from here to there for there to be meaningful change. Um, But I am not really in any pain. Does that mean that God has given up on me, that our adversary has me where he wants me? Or what? Yeah, so um, lots to unpack there. One, while I'll quote Dave Ramsey and saying people only change when the pain of the same is greater than the pain of the change. That's not scripture. That's Dave Ramsey. And Dave Ramsey's making some observations about about the human psyche. Because what we're kind of, I mean, if you even hear that quote, 
what you hear in the quote is the number one objective in life is to avoid as much pain as possible. Right. Right. And so uh, sociology would say people only change when the pain the same is greater than the pain the change. Right. And and then I'd argue that's clarity. Wow. It's, it stinks here. I don't want to be here anymore. But I, I would argue that there are other ways to change, but outside of just feeling lots and lots of pain. Some right. of it is you know, open up God's word and choosing to do what it says, right? right like, right. so, so there is this move in us and that's why we'll have to wrap up with this. Be merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. Mm-hmm. Because while human psyche says, I have to feel pain in order to change in the kingdom of heaven, there has to, the, the, the real motivator isn't going to be pain anymore. The real motivator is going to be love. You got that? Yeah. So, well, here's a real interesting observation about the, how the way the world works, and that's how most of us begin this relationship with Jesus. I can't fix me. I don't know how to solve me. Finally, I can admit I'm in so much pain and I'm such a wreck. I need a Savior. But then what happens is this motivation changes from I can't feel this anymore to, wow, I have this new feeling I can't explain because I have a new heart that comes from Jesus. So I would argue that real transformational change has very little to do with pain and everything to do with love. And so you go, okay, what does it mean to love? And that's where you have to figure out what the object of our love is. And that's why Jesus now goes, you really want real change. You got to stop thinking about all the pain, right? And you got to start thinking about love. And so the reason I like talking about pain is because pain is just, it's a button that shows awareness. So, you know, pain is just your mind finally come to the conclusion that something's wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So physical pain, mental pain, there is something off. This is not the way that it's supposed to be. So pain is basically just a big, you know, flashing light to go, could you consider changing? So this doesn't mean that your whole goal in life is to run towards the pain, right? Go find as much pain as possible. The pain's going to show up anyway. So the the purpose of pain is for you to get some clarity that something probably should adjust and change. So I wouldn't say, go find the pain. I would just say, it will find you. And so kind of the categories that all of us are in, either we're going through something really painful right now, and this is really helpful, or we just came through something really painful and now we have some words and some understanding about the growth that happened as a result of the pain, right? So I've come through something painful, I'm in something painful, or uh, not to be a Debbie Downer or uh, you know, a doom and gloom prophet, or you will go through pain. And to be yeah. honest with you, it's kind of all three. You've been through some pain, let's get some words on it. I'm cur- currently in some pain, what do I do in it? And I will eventually face some more pain. How do I respond to it? And so what I want us to see is that pain really is this, this thing that just helps us know that something should probably change. Now, what happens when it changes? Does that mean all the pain goes away? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Or do you have a higher tolerance for it? Maybe. Hmm. Or the things that you thought were painful, you actually find joy in now. I mean, if you think about it, like anybody who works out, not me, I don't see the point in that. Give me an apple pie. But like if you work out, you understand that the way by which growth happens is actually you you, you stretch. So there's this, this pain that happens. Like you are stretching your muscles and tearing them apart so that while you rest, they grow back. And so I would argue if you're not feeling any kind of stretching right now, if you're feeling nothing, then it probably, there probably is a lack of faith in your pursuit of the kingdom. Okay. Not, not offering judgment to you. You can figure that out yourself. So I'm going to don't have pain. That's okay. If you're not feeling stretched in any way, then you're not working out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would say more than likely in that there's probably some ways in which we lean into our own comfort. So I'd ask this question to you or whoever else. Uh, what, where do you go to for comfort? Like when you are lonely or sad or worried or anxious, what do you think about? Do you think about your bank account? Do you think about, uh, your kids? Do you like, where, where's your first place that you go when you're looking for comfort? And I would argue if that first place you go is in Jesus, there's just some work to be done. And that for all of us, there's places to do that. So let me kind of circle back around the barn and go, yep, it's okay if you're not always experiencing pain. You've experienced pain. No, you can have some words for it. Maybe you're in pain or you will be in pain. And so could you view whatever that pain is? And you could you view whatever it is you seek for comfort as a new way to go, whoa, 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 how do I how do I step out of this worldly way that I've lived, lived in this kingdom, and how do I step into the kingdom of heaven by uh, seeing this pain as a doorway or seeing the things that I sought for comfort and start going, well, those aren't the things I find comfort in because they can't, you know, they can't fulfill me. They you can't, you know, satisfy me. They can't suit me. They can't save me. And so all of this comfort and pain should point us to kind of a, 
a, a bigger hope, which is that we get to walk out of that doorway and into the kingdom. And so, where does the kingdom look like? That's right, Jesus tells you, it has everything to do with how you love. And so, you got to figure out what he means by that, which I think makes sense as we kind of chart through that. So, I think my question, or what I'm thinking through, and I, you might have already just answered this too, so sorry if this is almost a repeat, but my mind is is working in this way. So, it, one of the things that I've heard you you say before is that sometimes doing right, you know, as you first start doing what is right, it doesn't always feel right. Yeah. But eventually doing right feels right, right? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. there's a growth pattern in that. Is it similar in our stretching, like in, in the way that God stretches us? Like can we become comfortable and content in that stretching or is it always a struggle and it's always going to be challenging and it's always going to be hard? No, I think, yeah, so I think, uh, it, it's like working out, right? Like yeah. working out, uh, if you know someone who works out, uh, it's hard. And some days they dread it, but they after they get through it, they're always like, I'm glad I did yeah. that, right? There's something, there's renewal in it. And what they find is they can go harder for longer as they continue to do that. Like, I mean, literally, the, this passage of Scripture says, let everyone work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Right. Okay, yeah, so I'm responsible to me, i got to work out my salvation. And then the next part of that verse goes, for it's God who does the work right. in you. Right. So there is this neat yeah. Uh, balance between me taking those steps. I'm not going to lean into my comfort. I'm not going to lean into my own things. I'm not going to pity myself in my pain. I'm going to take whatever that step is. And as I take that step, God's going to sustain me. My faith is going to grow and I'm going to find more joy in the kingdom, even as I take larger leaps. So our, our life will never be without stumbling into the dark. But the way by which we take larger leaps in that is a result of kind of our past and where we've been before. That's why I explained on Sunday. The only way you know if a bungee cord really works is you strap it to your ankle and you jump off the crane, right? You can surmise it works. You can consider it works. But the only way that you can actually experience it and go, this works, is by actually putting it Mm -hmm. into play. And that's why I just would say faith is not just something you think, right? Faith is not a belief. Faith is an action step. Throughout the scriptures, you see people like Joshua lead the, the nation of Israel into the promised land by stepping into the raging waters with the soles of their bare feet. It was an irreversible step. Yeah. And so it certainly seems like the more you take those steps, the more comfortable you get in walking in that right, new way. Right. That makes sense. So that's why the loving your enemy is like, oh, that doesn't sound very very fun. That doesn't that doesn't seem practical. Well just try it. Yeah. Like just try it and then kind of evaluate the experience. And then you might find, I'd argue that you would, that as you pray for and love your enemy, that becomes easier and becomes more yeah. enjoyable. But that first that first step into that is that it's impossible to please God without faith. And yeah. that first step is always gonna be uneasy and and discomfortable. Yeah. Or uncomfortable. So, and so I want to maybe blend a question that I had and a question that kind of came up in conversation this week. So, so the question kind of becomes, if you're doing this well, you're loving your neighbor, neighbor, like we talk about the verses that it's like, if you're struck on the right cheek, offer the left as well. If you're, you know, forced to go a mile, walk two, like, or actually, I'm not sure if that was. That's in the Matthew. Yeah, that was in the Matthew version. But like, if you're asked to give your coat, give your shirt as yeah. well, basically. So so the, the reality, I think, of that is that that can be challenging, right? Like, that's not easy. That's difficult. So I guess a question that comes up is going, how do you self-care in that? Because that's one of the things that we've talked about that is there's an importance there. Jesus took time to care for himself to make sure that his relationship with Jesus was, was where it needed to be. So how does self-care play into this and... Or the balance, or is that just it? That there really isn't a balance. Like you'll be taken advantage of, and it will be unfair. I guess that's kind of the blending of two questions. Yeah. So self care is interesting thought on that. And so let me think about what Jesus was doing whenever. So he'd serve people, serve people, serve people, and then after he'd serve people, he'd go and he'd withdraw the wilderness. To right. Pray. Right. And you go, well, what is he doing? What is he doing when he's praying? Is he asking God to like refuel him? Is it that? Like, is this? Because I think we kind of view it as you know credits and debits. So, yeah. Right. Okay, right. I've emptied all my uh, debits. No, I need to go add credit. Fuel expended versus fuel taken in. But I think it's actually more than that when Jesus says he withdrew the wilderness to pray. So he's going to spend time with his Heavenly Father. And, of course, he's getting rested and recharged. Right, right. But I, I think what what's helpful there, at least would be for us, is what is the purpose of that recharging? And I would argue it's, okay, where do I find my hope and satisfaction, right? That's why you keep hearing me say these words like, it won't satisfy you. Where do I find my satisfaction? That thing won't suit you. Where do I find my wiring of purpose? And that thing can't save you. Like, where do I find my salvation? And so what's different for Jesus in all these different categories is as he ministers to people, he's not doing it 
his motivation is not for him to feel better about himself, right? right. His right. motivation isn't that this is how he esteemed his value. And so one of the dangers here is, oh, he took my tunic. Oh, for God to love me, I have to give him my shirt too, right? So it has more to kind of peer in and go, well, what's your motivation by giving him your shirt? Is it because, oh, the Bible says so, i got to do it? Or is it, wow, I've, I've fallen so in love with God that I found so much comfort in him being my source of satisfaction. When I give him my shirt, that's one more place I can look for God to be the one who provides for me. And so it has everything to do with kind of our, our reason for it. Like even if you go hit him on the right side of the cheek, you go, good, I want to hit him on my left. Like it's like, well, what's your purpose? To show that you're tough? Because yeah. that's the wrong purpose, right? Is it, oh, if I don't do right. this, God's disappointed right. with me? No, that's the wrong purpose. It's the, the purpose is there is nothing this man or woman can do to me that can take away my value or cause me so much pain that I got to cower because the God of the universe has called me his child, right? So it has more to do with our motivation and all of it. And so the question is, well, how do you reevaluate your motivation and make sure it's pure and the quiet? So now self-care becomes a way by which I go, oh, I'm exhausted. And now I'm doing these things because these people expect it of me. And they're going to talk bad about me if I don't keep serving and doing these things. But my heart is no longer even in this. It's no longer pure. Well, where do I get recharged of that? i got to go back to my Heavenly Father. i got to go sit still before Him and go, no, you alone are my source of satisfaction and joy. Mm-hmm. And then when, when, I, when I recalibrate that, now all of a sudden I can go back out and serve and care and love because my satisfaction, my joy, and my peace don't come from extracurricular or my experience there. So when you see Jesus do that, it sure seems like it's just always this alignment that him and his father are one. So I think even as we start thinking about things, these things, we go, well, why am I doing it? What's my motivation behind yeah. it? Yeah, so I, I'm, I guess I'm thinking through that question in light of the, the context. And yeah, I think that there's still more that I'm thinking through and processing even now as we're, yeah. we're talking through this. And I'm just going, yeah, like because I think that the motivation is, man, I want to honor and please and serve God. And this seems to be one of the ways that he's called me to do that. However, man, it's so difficult and challenging and I'm exhausted and spent emotionally in that. Is it, I guess, I guess part of it is going is how do I reevaluate if that is, if there was a feeling like God called me to this. But it's so challenging now that there isn't maybe a level of self-care. How do I go about that? I don't know. I feel like that might be kind of diving into more of that that conversation yeah, well, than I, what it needs to. But I, I guess I would say for anyone in that, I just go, well, what's your motivation? Yeah. What's your motivation? Like, what's your motivation? Like, why why are you doing whatever it is you're doing? What is your motivation? And it, I mean, it could be, I just want to please God. Well. Okay, but how do you want to please God? Do you think he's most pleased with you because you're performing well? Hmm. Or is he most pleased with you because you're his child? Yeah. And right. now all of a sudden because you're his child, you want to serve other people the what and and see them as his child because you experience it fully. And so that's where it gets so murky yeah. for yeah, us yeah, is right. how much of it. And this is why I even struggle, Ben, with that statement. Like I've really been wrestling with it, the, the idea of sanctification. I, I used to do it because it's right. Now I do okay. you know, it, but even when it didn't feel right, you now it is right and it does feel right. And I think that's accurate, but I think in some ways it's kind of that American fake it till you make it. Like if you keep okay. doing the right thing, eventually it'll feel good. And I'm convinced I might have that wrong, hmm. mainly because like, you know, so if you think about kind of the chief end of man, you know, from, you know, all the creeds, that to glorify God and enjoy him forever, right? Yeah. The way that those are described is uh, duty and desire. Hmm. The duty is we glorify God. The desire is we enjoy him forever. And so I thought, if I glorify him enough, I'll finally desire it. But I wonder if that's backwards. Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder if we've spent so much of our time and energy trying to do that thing. And even as we read this about love your enemy, they're going, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. But I wonder if it's more, man, at some point, how do we go and get God's heart so that's Mm -hmm. the natural overflow of what's coming up? Because, I mean, the scriptures are clear here. It says, far else guard your heart, first of all, spring of life. So, you know, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth Mm -hmm. speaks. And so there's something in that that goes, I think, that's what I think Piper's right in the Christian hedonism thought of, uh, that God is most glorifying us, to glorify Mm -hmm. God, when we are most satisfied him so it seems that this should be a more natural response that I can't help but love my neighbor because of how much God has served me and loved me and cared for me and naturally that's just what yeah. is coming out of me but then you go okay I gotta go make that happen that's like ah that's the, I think the problem with us is we're going how much of it is it that we do it versus how much of it is that yeah. Jesus does it and that's the uh, enigma I, of it all I feel like that makes sense because I, I feel like I've experienced moments where 
I feel like I was doing something or felt like mm. God had called me to it that somebody else was saying, wow, that's really hard and difficult. And before I like, and I never really thought about it mm-hmm. that way because mm-hmm. it wasn't about the duty or the obligation or that yeah. God wants me to do it. It's more like, well, that's just their circumstances yeah. and where they found themselves. And, and while it might've been challenging for that person, I didn't feel like it was all that challenging. Yeah. So I feel like I understand, I think what you're saying yeah. is going, man, there's, there's a different level of, of mm. here's the obligation and I have to do it. Well, then maybe if you're feeling that overwhelmed in it, yeah. maybe you are trying to find your yeah. your own need in that fulfilled versus, man, I just can't help but do and this. This is what comes out of me. Yeah, so like one place that I think I've also meant, like Psalm 1 talks about delighting in the law. Yeah. And I've almost meant like, well, you delight in the law <laughs> because you're supposed to delight in the lawgiver, right? Yeah. Okay. No, no, you delight in the lawgiver because he speaks it. But it's like, what if we really could go, these are God's words. Like, yeah. oh man, like God tells us to love our enemies. What a great joy I get in I get to obey this, and yeah. as a result, I'm going to experience all that he has for me instead of going, oh, God says do it. I better do it. Yeah. You know, like, God says it, so you better do it. Like, yeah. I, like I just wonder how much of our motivations is backwards in it. And I don't want to excuse someone not to follow. It's always better to obey the scriptures, <laughs> but I do think it makes sense that you got to pause at some point and go, well, what is my motivation yeah. in all this? Why do I do what it is I do? And if, it, if it's because you believe somehow in your performance you gain value you will end up exhausted and burdened and frustrated and none of this will work yeah right i feel like that makes sense um yeah so thanks for going with us mm-hmm. as we mm-hmm. kind of rabbit trail yeah. and a few mm-hmm. questions i enjoyed that um what i want to do is kind of work through the text a little bit because there was there's kind of some key phrases like do good and yeah. pray or bless so i want to kind of work through um verses 20 it was chapter 6 verses 27 through 36 that we covered this past week and so and there was at one point about a four minute gap if you watch the video online that we lost audio our soundboard had really bad language and they're like oh no (laughs) we didn't know what to do so we muted him no our soundboard automatically cut off so we had to turn that it was a complicated task i didn't know any of what was going on uh, which is good probably so Mm. we apologize if you're watching online um or you're watching or listening to the podcast later on of that so there is like a four minute gap maybe if you could give us a review of what four minutes what four minutes talked about but in verse 27 it kind of starts starts off by saying but i say to you who hear love your enemies do good to those who hate you um and and i don't know i guess we'll take it verse by verse so do good is kind of that first statement that you kind of pulled out there and and started to talk about yeah so you know he's gonna say it twice the first thing i think is just really important and that he, he literally does say for those of you who hear yeah this isn't like he's speaking to deaf people right, right, right. i mean i think he's just acknowledging that not everybody's ready for this like yeah. you know like he's just going this is a this is a new level of life in the yeah. kingdom so he's going those of you who are interested in the kingdom who are going you keep telling me that there's blessings here and woes here i'm interested in this yeah. and leaning in and so he's going to use two words here he's going to use love first which is the the agape word which is that way by which god affectionately sees his children right mm-hmm. so this is perfect love perfect love right so from the very beginning this is the love that god the father god the son god the holy spirit had together perfect love that they had such an infinite amount they created humans to pour out that love on this is the if you the, the most purest example probably is the way that you saw your child born did nothing for you couldn't perform for you and yet just this little bit alien life form that you looked at and just couldn't help but love it's that it's yeah. so when he says love that one we're seeing there and he's going to double back up in it a little bit later and then we covered it twice is that is we're going to have to see people the way that god sees them and i'm convinced if you knew everyone's story all their story all about their upbringing you would see them different. No God who is infinitely wise knows everything. Number of hairs on their head. Knew them before they were conceived. Knew his plans he had for them. That kind of love. And he's saying that's the kind of love you should have for your enemies, to be clear. Those are the ones who want to harm you, who don't like you, who actually want bad things to happen to you. But not only do you need to see and love them that way, it says do good to those people who hate you, which means you should work for their benefit so see them as god sees them and make their life better than it currently is every single one of them make their life better not your life not even your loved one's life your enemies how can you make their life better and you're like what so i mean it is 
And a lot of people are like, nope, not interested in that. Yeah, I thought you were right. coming to tell me how I could smite that guy. And here <laughs> you are telling me to love them and do good to them. And yeah. I just go, what if this is true? Yeah. What if this is true? You know? So Yeah. It's I feel like that's just the whole concept of going, man, yeah. it is easy. And this is, we talk about it later yeah. on. It is easy to love those that love me or at least are those that are not opposed yeah. to me. But the second you cross yeah. that line into opposition, it's like, wait, how do I do that? I don't want to do that. Yeah, and so what he's going to do is he's going to draw a clear line between the kingdom of earth, which is what we live in, and the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And he's going, you want to actually start living in this new kingdom. You have to do the opposite of what you yeah. used to do. So you want to get what normal people have, do what normal people do. Yeah. But you don't want that anymore for those of you here. So that means, and once you think how you usually would respond to those who hate you or want to hurt you. Do yeah. the opposite of that, yeah. right? right? Kingdom of heaven is they do harm, you do harm, right? Fire that ping pong ball back as hard as you can, right? Yeah. But in the kingdom, I mean, kingdom of earth, and kingdom of heaven, it's nope, just the opposite. Could you see them the way that God sees them? Right. And could you what? Good for them. And yeah. not only want good for them, participate in it. And I'm convinced if you don't, it has more to do with your eyesight towards them than it does anything else. Right? Mm-hmm. It has to do that you probably haven't gotten to that place of love for your enemies the way that Jesus has love for you, yeah. right? Yeah. So jumping to verse 28, and this is where I think that we had about that three, four minute gap. Okay. So anything you want to share here. So it says, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Yeah, that's really helpful. I'm glad that's where it was because yeah. you didn't really miss much because basically Jesus is going to do it twice. I don't know if you, we don't do this in this podcast, but a lot of podcasts or video podcasts are going, hey, on today's thing, we're going to cover three things. Bum, yeah, bum, right, bum, right. Bum. And then there's the intro and then it comes back in and they start covering it. Jesus kind of does that. He's like, let me give you the big thing. For those you can hear, you're going to love your enemies, do good to those who are me, and bless and pray for those who curse you. And then he's going to then offer the reasons why you should yeah. do that and okay. offer the, the opposite. So you didn't miss much here because we covered these things again in I think verse 32, okay, 33, and 34. But in this, what you're really seeing is he's literally saying that word blessed means, I mean, it's exactly what you think it means. It means like to say a blessing means to speak well. Yeah. So this isn't. You gotta love them. You want to benefit their life. And in the kingdom of Earth, you trash those people. You go and build your posse, and you share your narrative, and you get you make sure that everybody right. on your team sees it from your side and why they're the enemy. And right, this is right. the exact opposite, right? Some of you've done these things with your in-laws, talking about your own spouses, right? I mean, you've just done these things where you want to make sure they see your side of it. And Jesus is going, no, no, no. In the kingdom of heaven, you don't do that. In the kingdom of yeah. heaven, you speak highly of them. You speak words of life, right? This is the same thing. In the scriptures, Jesus says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And he's going, your job here for those who are like want to curse you, right? That's that's what's so interesting because he says, bless those who curse you. That curse is literally a, a, the, the death spoken to you, right? Okay. So he's going, hey, you're going to do the opposite of what they're doing. They're going to speak curses to you and you're going to speak blessings mm. to them and again that's not the kingdom of earth that's not what we do you say something i say something then we both post it on facebook and then we unfriend <laughs> each other right that's how that works right. but the kingdom of heaven they're saying stuff and you're and you're still you're trying to go god how can i see them the way that you see them because there's something good i can acknowledge in them because you they are made in your image and so it requires you to do the hard work of going what can i say that's positive not fake but what is actually true and good about that human yeah right and so their mama loves them. That's true for the most part, right? And so how do we see that and then speak that over them? So literally it's, and then pray for those who abuse you. Again, that's really, really, really hard language because that prayer word there is to exchange wishes. So an abuse, an, an abusive situation, the way that it works is somebody gets pleasure while someone else gets pain. Yeah. Right? Think about sexual abuse. Think about all sorts of stuff. Even verbal abuse. One person's feeling better about themselves mm. at the at the expense of another person. All abuse is one gets something, gains something that as someone else loses it, right? Mm-hmm. So one has a wish, and what they do is they take away someone else's wishes for their own wishes. So when he's saying pray for those who abuse you, what he's really saying is, no, you're going to exchange your wishes for their wishes. When you're praying to God and go, God, here's what I'd like, but more than what I'd like, I'd really like what you like. Mm-hmm. They're going, this guy's abused you, which means he's already taken away your wishes, and then you're going to wish more good stuff for him or her. Yeah. So it is it is the exact opposite of how it works in the kingdom of earth. So he is laying down a pretty strong foundation to go, however you ever saw it before, flip it upside down, that's how it works now. Yeah. I feel like as I'm, we're working through this, one of the questions that just came to mind is, what I guess what role, or maybe the question should be, what should emotions, what role should emotions play in this? Because I feel like 
I'll just be honest. In my mind, I'm working through arguments, right? Like whether that would be with, you know, my foster daughter, whether that would be with wife, whether that would be somebody in church. Like what happens is that generally there's some type of an emotion that I'll say prevents me from being able to operate in this. Is there any type of, I don't know, life hack? Is there any type of thought that we as believers should do as we recognize emotions as they're stirred up but not responding to them? Is there... Like I don't know, I just this is a random question that I'm just now thinking of going. How do we how do we manage the emotion? Because I feel like the emotion probably controls us in that moment. Because I feel like when I can stop and think about it, I can recall and remember God's word, and then it's maybe a little bit yeah. easier to operate the way that I should. But in that moment, the emotion, if I allow it to, then I raise to yeah. anger instead of blessing i raised to cursing back or yeah. rather than speaking blessings yeah so a uh, really great organization in montana i think they're on here too peacekeepers there's lots yeah, of different names yeah. but one of the things that their founder says uh, says before you ever have any conversation why don't you think why don't you stop and think about what you hope happens mm. at the end of the conversation like what do you hope yeah. happens as a result of this conversation right like literally putting it what i hope happens is i convince this person of something or this behavior changes mm-hmm. or that they forgive me whatever it is like actually to pause ahead of time and go this is what i'm working towards mm-hmm. because so much of it, what we do is just so reactionary yeah, right. and when we do that ahead of time we don't it's so amazing what we're able to convince ourselves of <laughs> but when we do that ahead of time sometimes it actually reveals our impure motives yeah you know what i want them to serve me <laughs> you know yeah, like right. whoa, whoa, whoa i can't actually so there's something about actually pausing ahead of time and going what is my motivation yeah. And then going, God, is that the same motivation you would have in this? Okay, my motivation is God wants better for them. Yeah. And therefore, I want better for them. That's That still might be some adjustment to their behavior, but there's something yeah. in that. And then, so if you have to be that mindful ahead of time, this is why emotional intelligence and pausing matters. To pause, like even if you're going into a meeting, this is kind of off topic, to actually pause just for 15 seconds. Katie Bowman, Dr. Bowman for New England Health Center, we're talking about this, just pausing for 15 seconds mm-hmm. and thinking about what's about to happen in just a second, mm-hmm. just to reframe your mind. So just to pause and go, what is my motivation here? And so then when the battle happens, I yeah. think the key is again to go, okay, let's get back to the motivation or let me pause and check my motives again, mm-hmm. right? And so so much of this has to do with, this is why I talked about this last thing. We judge other people by their um, yeah. actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. And I go, right, that's what's right. so broken. But the honest truth is we don't really judge ourselves by our intentions because we're not that honest with ourselves about what our intentions are. So all that sure. stuff. I mean, I've talked about this even in counseling, like this idea that we're pressing each other's buttons and then we have these reactions. And the only solution for that is actual space, mm. right? And so Victor Frankl talks about the the stimuli and the response, right? There's a yeah. stimuli, there's a poking, and then there's a response. The better you can be aware of the space in between this, the stimuli and the response, the more healthy the conversation would be. So I think yeah, it's just going, oh, goodness, goodness, what's that stimuli? This can be really hard for me to bless them right now. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. my response. Okay, what's my motivation here? So there's yeah. just something about being able to take a moment there. And that's harder for those of us, and I'll say us, include myself in there, who have a sharp-witted tongue. Because yeah. I'm already I'm already processing, which then leads to the second yeah. part of the, that thing about it and going, okay, if that's the case, Josh, are you listening? Mm. Are you waiting to talk? Mm. And so much of that for me is I have migrated from listening and being curious to just waiting to talk. Yeah. And so right. anyway, just yeah. No, I th- I feel like that's yeah. a good answer. I, I feel like that answers in my mind what's going on. So, uh, verse twenty nine, and we're getting there. I feel like we're slowly processing through. But uh, it says to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Any anything else you want to add? Like, and maybe we speed this up. I don't know. Yes, yeah, so I talked a little bit about reverse, the, but... the transfer of power. Power is a really yeah. interesting thing, especially if you uh, even words like sexism and racism is all about power. The one with the power versus the one without the power. Mm. And there's so much of our whole worldview is gain the power, get the power. And I would go, I don't think it really is about that, but there is something pretty neat about the way by which this works because what it feels like at first glance is when he says, "Give me your coat," you feel really, really helpless. Yeah. And so I think what I just offer here is you're not near as helpless. We're not near as helpless as we think we are. Mm. There's always in the kingdom of God something we can do. You know, so Jesus is saying, hey, when they take that, you're not helpless. Yeah. 
Yeah. You're not a victim. You're not weak. You're a son of the Most High God. And not, you're a daughter of the Most High God. And so you're not helpless. You actually can still participate in the kingdom. You know you can do? You can give them your shirt too. That's up to you. You have. You still have rights and rules and authority that you get to live in in the kingdom of God. And so, it's, I mean, and that's why I even said it's so crazy to think about. It. Those times I've walked into conversations thinking, I am ready to give them my zingers. And they go, you know what? I'm really sorry. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's not time for you to apologize yet. I got three more good points. And yeah. it's like, it's, it's a crazy what that does. And the, like, yeah. the ease of the conflict. Or, oh, no. I'll take care of that. No, no, I'll take care of that. No, no, you know, like just the, just yeah. how it eases that. Now that that's the motivations of Jesus is going to do is authority that you have in this. You're not powerless and weak. You're the, you're a child of the most high God. And so yeah. there are ways you still get to live and make decisions in the kingdom. It's just different than the way that the world works. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to 30, yeah. it says, uh, give to everyone. And this is continuation of 31. Yeah. Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. This is, man, if we as a church, if we as yeah. believers, like just believers, let alone the rest of the world, if we began yeah. to do this, I feel like that would impact everything. Yeah. Like it would make such a difference. And that's why I think it talked about it Sunday, but really important is, well, not only should we do it, we have to, we have to understand why we'd want to do it. Yeah. Right. Right. And so it's not just, oh, God tells me to do it, I better do that. It's why, why would you want to do it? And the reason is what the motivation is because that thing can't save you. Yeah, right. That thing can't satisfy you and it doesn't really suit you anyway. The whole purpose of God giving you gifts is to enjoy them and share them. So someone take this like, oh, okay. Well, now I get to share it. Not with someone I wanted to share with, but there you go because that wasn't going to be the thing anyway. Yeah. And so there's something about that experience that if someone takes it from you, you know what that is? You can pause and go, I guess that's God giving me clarity that I didn't need that thing. Right? I mean, it really is that simple. He's not going, go chase after. He's going, no, look, God just gave me some real clarity. That's not the thing I needed for this next season of life. Yeah. And so we're all are, we're all looking for, God, would you please speak to us? So show up at your house and some things are gone. Okay, I guess God doesn't think you need those things today. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean you shouldn't use your insurance. Like home insurance, property insurance. I don't know. That's just a thought. Um, and then we get to verse 31. 31 is... is you know, I feel like as a kid, this yeah. was one of the first ones that I ever memorized. And it wasn't even word for word. It was just the idea. Yeah. But verse 31 says, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. This is the golden rule, right? The do unto yeah. others as you would do unto them, right? Like Yeah, but what, gosh, sorry, my, all my stuff's broken because, uh, I don't know what's going on. My uh, watch is messed up, so sorry. I don't know what's going on. Let me see if I can cut this off. Um, yeah, so what's interesting here is this is the golden rule, but we see it as quid pro quo. Yeah. What I mean by that is I will scratch your back. Yeah. Because I'm expecting you to scratch my back, right? right? right. And so it's right. like, oh, I don't know. That's not the purpose of this yeah. this rule. It's not so that we could see how we could get from others by doing it for them first. Yeah. So this is the, this is the exact opposite of entitlement, but what it actually ends up becoming is entitlement, right? Oh, right so, right. okay, I'm doing these things. Like, you know, it's always, there's all these motivations. There's all these books telling you, here's how you get something from others. Well, you do it, but you do it with some kind of expectation. And so he, Jesus is going to double down on this and go, no, this is without expectation. This is not a, this is how you get stuff. Hmm. This is, this is an awareness to understand what's going on. Because remember, you're supposed to love people the way that God loves them. I mean, you're supposed to see all of them. And the only way you can see all of them is if you can first see all of you. The people that you know with discernment. Wow, that's a spiritual gift. I will tell you wholeheartedly, the reason they have discernment, when they see other people and go, oh, that's just off. Nope, that wasn't true. Nope. The reason, let me, let me give you a behind the scenes thing. The reason they know that is because they're fully aware of themselves. Mm. Most people with discernment have discernment, spiritual gift, because they have some awareness of their own brokenness and their own flaws. They go, when I say that, I'm actually lying. And the reason I'm lying is because I want someone to think I'm extra special, <laughs> right? And so discernment is just the opposite side of the coin of real self-awareness. So what Jesus is going here is, Hey, the best way to actually try to figure out how you can serve other people is put yourself in their shoes and imagine what it would be like in that situation and what would be beneficial to you, right? Yeah. And so this is, again, a pause to consider and do some self-reflection and go, if I were where they were, what would I find beneficial? Yeah. If I were where they were, how could I serve them? Not so that you can go, I'll do it to them, no, you do it to me, but so that you can actually meet their needs and have an understanding of what's going on. So they have some self-awareness and pause. So this is looking inward to kind of have some real understanding of what other people might be dealing with or facing. Yeah, I feel like as you were talking, one of the one of the best pieces of, of marital advice that I was ever given was by a couple 
awesome couple that mentored my, you know, at the time my fiance and, and I, now my wife. Um, that was five, six years ago. It was a while ago at this point. But one of the things that they had said in that is that your goal, and not for a self-seeking, but your goal should be to kind of outserve the other one and not in a competition yeah. either but just your goal because is I would to win serve that competition <laughs> but your goal is to serve yeah. and I feel like many times I've been reminded of that like I said that was 6 years ago at this point uh. that I went through the marriage like kind of um uh mentoring with them and there's been many times where in my mind I'll have an argument and I go, man, why do I have to do this? Like, I feel like I was just, yeah. and then I'm going, no, no, no. But my goal is to serve yeah. my wife. And, and so I feel like as you were talking about that, it reminded me of just as that instance yeah. of me going, man, it's not about what I get from it. Yeah. It's about how would I want to be treated? And the reality is, is that, you know, something silly. I, I don't want to fill the dog's containers for the third time this week or whatever. Oh, that's so, so therefore, terrible. What a terrible life. It's just oh. a silly thing. But like. Yeah. But if I don't want to do it, then why would I think that my wife would want to do it? So yeah. therefore, it's my opportunity to bless yeah. and to serve in that small instance. Because it is, usually it's the small things, right? Like yeah. you get annoyed or you're like, ah, I can't believe they did this or didn't do this or why can't they? Yeah. yeah. And so that works well if, it, if both people see it the same way. Where it seems to get off kilter if only one views it that way. Yeah. If the goal is to get something out of it. Right. But if the right. goal is, Jesus is saying, this is actually how, this is how experiencing the kingdom of heaven is the right. best. So, so this is what I do. What's really nice about that thought is going, it has nothing to do with anybody's response. Yeah. Like yeah. you can enjoy the kingdom, find blessings in the kingdom, find perfect contentment in the kingdom, and people mistreat you all yeah. day long. There's not contention that. So there is some real freedom to go, this has nothing to do yeah. with their response. It has yeah. everything to do with, I get the opportunity to step into the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus tells me is where the blessing is. So I get to go live in that. And, and the fruit isn't they respond and write me a thank you card. Yeah, right. The fruit is I am now living like Jesus is living, which he has kind of modeled that this is the best way to live. Yeah. So, and, you know. and what's amazing in that is I'm pretty sure I would know your answer. Like if the question becomes, well, then am I supposed to be a doormat on some level? That's what Jesus is calling you to is is you will be taken advantage yeah. of, right? Like, Yeah, so there is a great question, and it's complicated because you got stuff like, like a dog returns to its vomit, right, a fool right. returns to its folly. So there right. is a level of stewardship, right? Yes. So right. in all of this, and we'll get to it eventually, there is this question of, like, so it's going to go again. It's going to go do good to those, love those, yep. benefit those, lend to those. So that's 32. Yeah, right? so that even that lending has to do with using your resources for someone else's benefit, right? right? So that is a stewardship issue. Right. So God is going, you really want to participate. First, you love them. You see them as I see them. You do good. You do things for their benefit. You lend to them, meaning you actually survey what you have and figure out how you can use that for their gain without any expectation. But the stewardship issue is God, whatever God's given me, he wants me to use for his kingdom, right? Yeah. So that doesn't mean, that, I mean, Jesus even talks about giving pearls to swine that just right. stop on. There comes a time where you don't keep just expending your resources on someone who's going to throw them in the ocean, right? right? Not because you want to punish them, but because there's better ways to right. spend your right. time and your resources. So like a dog will return to its vomit. A fool returns to its folly. There's a time that you go, this is not the best stewardship of yeah. these resources. Where else can I pour myself out and my resources out in a way that brings the kingdom of heaven yeah. to so it's not necessarily just a doormat. You serve and you care and you serve and you care. But there comes a level where you go, is this the best stewardship? Right, right. The question is, why has God given me what he's given me here? And he wants me to use it somehow for his kingdom. Yeah. And so as we continue on, 32 says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. This is a yeah. challenging verse because it's, it's exactly that. I feel like this is the statement that for me goes, man, it's easy to love people that love me yeah. or at least love people yeah. that aren't opposed to me. But that statement is what what benefit is it? Yeah, but let me you? point this out. And I, gosh, I could not. I, I wanted to spend time here, and it's in my notes. And I wrote it. I was like, I don't have time. I'll, the clock's running, right? Yeah. But do you see what it says here? That's so unique. Everything else is about what do you do for others? What do you do for others? Do this for others. And you see this though. It goes, if you love those who love you, and you see what it says next. What benefit is that to you? Yeah. This is this is an inward focus thing. Yeah. So, what Jesus is doing here is he is implying that there is a benefit to be had. Mm. So this isn't, you know, well, I got to pour myself out. I got to be a doormat. I gotta, whatever. No, no, no. There is a benefit yeah. to this. He's going. And that word benefit literally is going to be translated charis or grace. Like this is a gift mm -hmm. from God. So if you love those who who love you, 
There is no grace in that. Mm. But when you love others, there is some kind there's some kind of a reward from our Heavenly Father in it. Yeah. So this is like, yes, yeah, I'm so tired of just being taken advantage of. No, 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 no. When it says when you love those who like there is a benefit to be had. I'm like, mm. what if this is true? Not that it's all about the benefit, but as we serve and care for those, it's not like you're gonna be so exhausted and spent and your life is gonna be so miserable. He's telling you that's where grace and mm. His good gifts exist. So I just think it's really important that he goes, he's actually pointing out that there's a benefit to be had. Yeah. I feel like I didn't I didn't see that even mm-hmm. as we until now. Um, continuing on, 33 is kind of a continuation of 22. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. So Again, the word benefit yeah. and that do good is for the profit of others. There's something about using yourself. And there's, I mean, there is precedent in the scriptures. Jesus tells you the parable of talents, right? Yeah. He gives something. When they use it good for the kingdom, what does God do? Yeah. He gives them more. And so he's going, when you use your stuff for the kingdom, it just makes sense. God wants the kingdom of heaven to exist on earth. He's given us his, us his resources to start investing in that. Yeah. If we invest well, who do you think God's going to give the additional resources to? Yeah. The ones who are investing well, not just about getting resources, but no. that's why I would always tell a church, your number one responsibility is be a good steward of everything that God's entrusted us with. And we'll leave the additional resources to him. Our job is to go, what has God given us and how do we use it for the benefit of other people, right? So So continuing on, we've got about two or three more verses. 34 says, and if you lend to those, and you've already kind of started to touch on this, if you lend to those who, uh, for whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Um, and then I'll continue. It says, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you and uh, and you and your sons of the most high and you will be sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Yeah. So this is really helpful. Let me just go back to that last verse because 34 and 35 are kind of the same thing. So yep. Jesus is going to wrap it up. Here's go. Here's the pattern, right? Love, love other people. Meaning, see them the way that I see them. Agape love. Do good. Meaning, figure out a way to add value to their lives, right? Lend. The way by which you do that is with your own resources. So you love people. You see them as God sees them, and then you desire to see that good happen in their life. And you go, how can I be a part of doing that good in that? And the last piece of this is so important. The fourth part, you see it here. It says, expecting nothing. Yeah. You see, that's the biggest demotivator in our lives. Yeah. Is I'm going to do this, I'm going to serve this because I know in one week, one month, one year, everything's going to get better. Yeah. Right? And then what happens when your expectations aren't met? You're mm-hmm. angry, you're bitter, you're content, filled with contempt. It's just that pattern of unmet expectations. So what Jesus is saying here is that is that is above our pay grade. Like how this pans out, what this does for that person, that political party, that, you know, politician, what it does is above your pay grade. You are not responsible. I am not responsible for what actually happens. In fact, we shouldn't even try to figure out what it is. There is no, that means expect nothing. Literally, it means that word nothing there is without hope. It's literally what it means. So this is not about you put some hope in something in the preferred future. Your job in that moment is just to see them the way that God sees them. Want good for them and then go, what resources do I have that can do good? And then you leave the rest to God. And yeah, yeah. guess what? Some of them will be ungrateful and some, yeah. of them will be, some of them will be evil, but it's okay. God even says he's kind to them as well. Yeah. So God is being kind to them using your love, your grace, your goodness, and your gifts because that's the kind of God God is. And you go, well, how in the world do I do that? And it's why well, I love verse 36. It's yeah. kind of what we should have already, we should start with and definitely what we should end with. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. That word father there is really, really important. It means the begetter or the originator, meaning all this mercy originates with our heavenly father. That's who he is. So the only way by which this happens in us is not that you're going to, you know, grit it out, you know, force it out. It's that somehow as we sit still before the Lord and we see how he loves us and see how gracious he is, and you're going, man, he's kind and to the ungrateful and the evil. So if we've been ungrateful and evil, he's still kind to us. Like, so God has to give us a new heart. And the thing is, it's really, really hard. It's like I can talk to you logically about the rest of this, but I can't make that happen for you because yeah. I can't make it happen for me. Yeah. And this is where we just have to beg the Lord to give us a new heart. So all this starts and ends right here with if God doesn't give us a new heart, there is no hope for us, our family, or our nation. So it, what this does is it takes all the responsibility and burden off of us because it's beyond our capability. And either God's going to do what he says he can do, 
when we call out to him or we're all in big trouble. But I don't think we're in big trouble because I think he wants to give you a new heart. Heart. So he's going to go, Jesus going to be merciful as your heavenly father, as my heavenly father is merciful. So he's going to be your father. He's going to, you're going to be his child and he is going to give you his heart. And so that's what I would conclude with in all this is, hey, could we beg the Lord to give us his heart? Like how many times do you ask God for that in a day? Mm. Could you double that or triple that? Quadruple that? Start asking for other things before you ask for that. Like, God, would you give us your heart? If he gives us that, everything else is settled in all of this. So be merciful as your, even as your father is merciful. Yeah, I feel like that's pro- pretty much the end of my notes. Yeah. I did love the fact that you know, there's classifications, there's ungrateful and evil. Yeah. But it's not it's not my job to try and make yeah. the ungrateful grateful or the evil to be good. It's yeah. just that's if they are. Yeah. Like, if they fall into those categories, they fall into those yeah. categories. You were once ungrateful and evil. Right. I was once right. ungrateful and evil, and times I still am, right? And yeah. so that is not something we can force out. But that yeah. is not our responsibility. Our responsibility, love. Do good yeah. and land. And and I feel like that last part that mm. you said, that father, the begetter or the yeah. original, it puts a completely different, like, it sums up everything, right? Yeah. It's going, okay, it's found in Christ. How do I love my enemy? How do I do that? Mm. Well, I have to I have to go to Christ, who is the only one that can do that. Yeah. Because in and of myself, I cannot, yeah. period. Like, yeah. I, I, most of us probably know that already, but yeah. it's in my relationship, the original, the begetter that we Yeah, have. so let's think about that. So... God says to be close to him, you have to be like him and be yeah. perfect like he's perfect, right? So the only way that you can have access to God on your own merit is to have his heart. Now, when you read this, it's pretty easy to go, yep, I can't do that. Nope, yeah. I'm not like God. Yeah. Okay. So there's some awareness for you that you cannot actually get back to God on your own. You cannot make this happen on your own. So if there's some way to get back to the creator of the universe, it's going to have to be some kind of supernatural work from him to do it, right? And that's why he steps down on this planet, greatest miracle ever, put on a human body, lived a perfect life, died a terrible and horrific death, and then came back to life to show you that all that's possible. So if God can make us right before him and make us have heaven with him, now on earth, that certainly should imply that he also could give us the heart that we so desire. So let's just ask him for it and let's see what he does. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to share from this week? Nope, that was it. Uh, again, that's, I think, the piece of big ideas. The kingdom of heaven is not a place you arrive at but a person you belong to so if you're trying to live in the kingdom of heaven you got to seek the father's heart go to him and ask him to allow you to have his heart and have his presence and that's where the kingdom of heaven is going to exist for you this week yeah well just want to say thank you to everybody that is listening whether you're watching live you're welcome to interact with us live if you are interested in that we usually about 12 or 12 30 on on tuesdays today we were a little bit longer or if you are catching this via podcast or watching this online thanks so much for joining us we really hope that this challenges and encourages your spiritual growth as always if you have questions whether it's relating to a past message a upcoming one or just questions in general we'd love to hear from you you can email us at overtime at clcfamily.church you can text us 610-869-2140 and we love when our viewers our listeners are actually part of our discussion you can help us on a week to week so we'd encourage you to send your questions and don't forget this sunday the 24th as long as i'm remembering that correctly yeah the 24th our two-year-old class and three-year-old class will be open you can reserve your spot at the kids own website Um, and as well as the big yellow mug is open so thanks for joining us and we hope to see you next week